So you're listening to Tone Talk number two. My name is Greg, Greedy Greg, our Greedy. Uh, my passion is sound. I've been an audio engineer since 1988. In 1991, I got in a car wreck and was laid up for eight months. Instead of just laying around in bed, I got books on electronics and started learning. And of course, the first couple things I made never worked. And I later realized that I put some parts in backwards. Mid-90s, I was building stuff that actually worked. Just continued to build and build and build until started a company around probably 1999 called Greed Tone and really became obsessed with tone. Next, we're going to talk to Atticus. He works at Easy Street Records in West Seattle and also has a radio show on KEXP. Uh, I'd like to welcome you, Atticus. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I figured, you know, let's get someone in here that's probably half my age and let's talk tone because no sense just listening to old guys talk tone all the time. <laughs> yeah, uh, it scared me a little bit when you first asked me because I know the majority of people that I talk to about tone are, are people your age or, or older. I don't think a whole lot of people my age really know what it is necessarily. I think I was probably 16 or 17 before I kind of realized that if you had an amazing tone, music could move you further. So I agree that you're kind of at that age where you're figuring it out. It wasn't until probably a year or two ago that I really realized what tone was. You kind of always like, when you hear something and it's got really good tone, you almost automatically think that it sounds better. Or I always the... notice that it just gets me fired up. The yeah, moment I yeah. hear it, I just get really excited and I start going, whoa, yeah. what's that? You get really fired up, and I think it wasn't until like a year or, or two ago that I really started to notice that that's what tone was. Like I started to actually talk about it with one of my coworkers, actually the one who really kind of pointed it out to me, and we started talking about it more. And I was like, "That's what that is. That's how you can really differentiate like like mediocre band from like a really really good band." And yeah, I think sometimes it just for me it's an excitement level. It's that moment where you you know maybe you're at band practice and you you dial up something, the rest of your band just lights up and looks at you and goes, "Whoa, what what was that? Do that again." You know? Yeah. Well, how do you like doing radio? I love it. It's a uh, <laughs> it's interesting sometimes. It's on the fly. It's fun when you have to play like two minute songs back to back and you're just trying to cue up the next song and then you got to keep track of like what you're going to talk about on the mic, the business spots that you have to play. But it's a lot of fun. It's amazing. You get emails. I'm overnight, so I'm 1 to 6 a.m. And so you kind of think, oh, nobody's listening in Seattle right now. But I consistently get emails from the U.K. I get emails from Australia. I've well, received yeah, emails. it's probably morning time in the U.K., it's, for it's, sure. It, yeah, it's morning time in the U.K. It's Friday night during my show in Australia. And then I've got emails from Kazakhstan and Norway and Brazil. It's awesome. You get to hear like how music really brings people together across the world. What's your show like? What do you like doing on there? It's a variety mix. I really get to play whatever I want to play. It's a lot of rock, a lot of like post-punk stuff, but I covered soul and hip-hop. So it's uh, stuff that inspires you. Yeah, and it's maybe really because of tone. Yeah, it's really yeah, it's it's a lot of <laughs> because of tone. Yeah. Well, yeah. people do get nervous to talk to me because I build stuff and they go, oh, how, what what could I add to that? And yeah. for me, this isn't so much about talking about how I built an amp or a pedal. It's more about people understand music and it's that moment when you realize that one song or one thing sounds better than the other because of some tone they had. And something that just really sticks in your head. And do you remember the first time you had that moment where you just were like, whoa? That's a tough question. I think one of those first times, I've always 
enjoyed electronic music, but it wasn't until the first time that I heard Aphex Twin's Window Liquor. That last like driving synth for like the last minute of it kicks in. And that was the first time I was just like, oh my God, like that. Totally got you grooving. Yeah, I was like, that is the greatest like synthesizer I've ever heard. Like that was the first time that I was really like, wow. Yeah, those moments are really cool. I mean, mine was a U2 moment where I was listening with or without <laughs> you, but which was weird because I was a punk rocker. Yeah. So the last thing I wanted to listen to was U2, but, you know, song with or without you, the bass line was incredible. It blew me away, and it was, you know, and that's when I realized music could be more if you reproduced it correctly. Yeah. So what led you to becoming a DJ? I've always really, really loved music. I've actually, I grew up listening to music my both my parents really really loved it i always say that built to spills there's nothing wrong with love was my first favorite album because my mom would play it for me when uh when she was pregnant and then as soon as i was born if i was crying she could put that album on and it would stop making me cry well doug's voice is awesome yeah yeah Yeah. so that always helps and he wrote it about his uh wife having a baby a year it came out a year before i was born so it was kind of just perfect timing what it was about and and the time that it came out and so i've just always grown up listening to all this music and listening to KEXP a lot of mornings on like my way into school with my mom and then that just eventually led me to to volunteering there and I slowly thought to myself like this would be really fun to actually be on the radio I need to play my favorite music because it's fun listening to other people's music too but it's like I have other stuff that I want to bring to this radio station too and well that's the cool thing about that radio station is the fact that I mean any time of the day you could hear anything yeah you know, it's all over the place. Do you ever get to hear Doug's band before Built to Spill, the Tree, Tree People? Tree People. I love Tree People. I have a couple records that are pretty hard to find that I'm very happy to have. Yeah, I, I have all their early stuff if you ever need it. It's a, <laughs> when they first moved to town, I was friends with them. So yeah, I actually took them to their first show over in Bremerton at this guy Lenny's house. And they played like a house party. And the reason I knew them is all the guys used to be in State of Confusion. And I had interviewed him when I had a fanzine when I was a teenager down in Utah. And so when they moved up and became tree people, I already knew everyone but Doug. And I <laughs> met Doug when they moved to town, and he was super cool. Yeah. Do you have a favorite Built to Spill song? Favorite Built to Spill song? Ooh, that's... Mine would be Nils Down. That's a really, really tough question for me, because as I said, they've probably been my favorite band since I was born. Yeah, so I can see that being it's, hard. Yeah, they're one of those people talk about having like a window where they're like really, really good, and then they don't really like, they don't necessarily like their early stuff, or they don't necessarily like their later stuff. They, they have a certain window, right? Built to Spill is one of the few bands that I like from beginning to end. I like everything that they've ever released. Well, it makes sense. I mean, Doug just, you know, he came to Seattle, and he's like, that ain't me. I'm Boise. <laughs> yeah. So he moved back to Boise, and... He stayed true to what he wanted to do. Yeah. And I still love that. I mean, Seattle, even though he, he lives in Boise, Seattle's kind of like their second home in a way. Oh, yeah, like he, for sure. They play up here once or twice a year every year, so I, I always make a point to yeah, go Yeah, I got them. lucky one time when they came through. I was working at Showbox. Oh, that's and awesome. And so they yeah. walked in, and they were all like, Greedy Greg, holy shit. <laughs> and it was fun to see him because it had been a while. Yeah. Well, how'd you get into Easy Street Records? How'd you end up landing that job? <laughs> that's a funny story. So, uh... I actually started at KEXP through Troy. Um, Troy Nelson? Troy Nelson, yeah. He's the one who, uh, he always likes bringing in younger people to be his assistant to hopefully get them into KEXP younger, um, which is nice. I know he's got a nice trail of assistants before me, too, with Morgan, who's now a DJ, and and Brandon uh, Shep, who helps out a lot at uh, KEXP as well. And so I was hanging out with him one time, and you know, I was getting to the point in my life I was like 18 I was like I should probably be getting a job soon and uh he was like well how about working at like a record store easy street 
I was like, yeah, isn't that pretty competitive? And he's like, I'll see what I can do. So he actually pretty much went and talked to Matt himself and ended up getting me pretty much hired for the most part. He was like, you just got to go in and talk to Matt. Matt's a really hard guy to pin down. Oh, he's, I know that. <laughs> yeah. He's... I tried to get in on sound forever, and I had to eat there for two years <laughs> and fix things, and then one day he kind of started trusting me. Yeah, I constantly have people come in, and they're like, I have a meeting with Matt. I'm like, oh, Matt, Matt's, Matt's in Vancouver right now. Like, Matt's not here right now. And they just kind of walk out, or people will call, and they're like, oh, I have a meeting with Matt right now. And I'm like, he's not here. So it's always kind of hard to find a time well, to... Well, he's a juggler. He's, he's got, He tries... I mean, yeah, he's I've got never two seen kids. A record, well, and I've never seen a record store owner go to the levels he goes to. Yeah. I mean, he's constantly think, oh, all the cool stuff happens there. The news shows up there. Well, it shows up for a reason. He works hard on it. He works really hard. Yeah. I remember it's... the Sonic show last record store day. I mean, me and him for a week in advance were every day pounding out the details. Yeah. You know, to even pull that off. It was tricky. So when I finally got a hold of him, I went in there one time. Actually, Troy took me in to actually, like, officially introduce me, and we started talking, and Matt was like, all right, are you ready to do the interview? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, all right, name the four Beatles. <laughs> and I was like, John, Paul, George, and Ringo? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, you got it in order, too. You're hired. You, you didn't say Pete Best? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he hired me, like, on the spot for knowing the four Beatles, which is probably the easiest question of all time <laughs> well you would think but someone your age might not i mean i bring up bands all the time to people who are a lot younger than me and they look at me like i'm crazy but then that <laughs> makes sense because the people older than me would bring up bands from the 60s and i remember you know a friend of mine introducing me to the beatles like, yeah you got to listen to this band and i was like <laughs> whatever man you know and the more i listened to it you know it was amazing and i would also discover all these things that i thought were punk rock songs and yeah, we were just covering some band from the 60s. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for coming by. I really appreciate it. I know you're super busy. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. I feel like my voice is a little deep right now. I'm a little, I'm tired. <laughs> well, maybe we got up. the perfect, well, see, you, that's why you get the late night. You get the radio voice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, thanks again for coming in. Thanks for having me. All right. Hi, this is Atticus, and you're listening to Tone Talk. If you're ever interested in any tones that I enjoy, you can always tune into KUXP from Friday morning, 1 to 6 a.m. My next guest is David Cinnamon. He started working with me at Greed Tone about three or four years ago. He's been working live sound with me as well in the studio. We've been working on his record with his band Sonic Medicine for the last couple years. And, uh, you know, just started out as doing some work together, and it's just turned into a friendship over the years. And so I'm here with David Cinnamon. Hey, thanks for having me. So when was the first time in your life where you were aware of any kind of tone that was different than another, where you listened to a song and you were like, wow, that one sounds way better than what I just listened to? Or first time you were actually aware of sound being involved in music? That is such a huge question. When... I first noticed good tone. That was the first time I heard live Jimi Hendrix recordings. What was the part that you determined was maybe good tone? Was it Jimmy? It was Jimmy all the way. It wasn't the drums? <laughs> no, it was totally Jimi Hendrix. It was that fat tone that, uh, you know, the whole world has come to emulate in this era. It's such a sought-after sound because it was so rich back then. And, yeah, man, the classic rock tones... Um, 
just really blew me away. Uh, the big heavy hitters like Hendrix and Jimmy Page, guys like that had just phenomenal tone. And other than Jimi Hendrix, uh, another time that I really noticed tone growing up, listening to the old Fugazi albums and bands from the East. Like Waiting Room? Yeah, yeah. The baseline in that, I mean, you can't deny it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so incredible. I know, I know. And But also, I mean, particularly guitar tone. The next time that I really noticed tone was when I heard your amp, dude. (laughs) Honestly, I am a part of this company because I'm one of the biggest fans of the work. Greed Tone is on the map for Tone. Just ask Josh Hame, you know? My guitar at the time had shitty EMG pickups on it and even still got a phenomenal tone out of plugging into the clean side of the J-Hi 100. And it reminded me of two tones that I'd heard before. One was that big fat 70s tone and the other was that crunchy, clean but crunchy discord tone. Like Fugazi. Yeah, exactly. No, that makes perfect sense. You know, I think one of the reasons why you probably like that amp is it can push some air. Yeah, oh yeah. It's really responsive to the way you play. and Real responsive. Yeah. There's different reasons why people end up with those high gain pickups, but I was just trying them out and because I had this guitar that's kind of a Frankenstein, I built it and then I just kept swapping pickups out on it forever, just trying different things. I anyway. think people like those active pickups because first time out of the bag, they're kind of exciting because they're a little more amped up than maybe oh, yeah. your passive pickups. And I personally have just never cared for them. No, it's the tone of them that is the problem. But they don't have just good tone. Well, I think they just, for me, I don't like them because they, they seem to sound like I got an oral exciter on my exactly. on my guitar sound or bass sound all of a sudden like it's all excited sounding the high end is so brittle and just too present they always sound a little unnatural to me and it might just very well be the fact that we're so used to listening to passive pickups maybe the active ones truly like reproduce the tone better but maybe we're so used to the passive ones we know how to work with them better i don't know i just never had any luck with active pickups yeah well i'm saying even still and it was a little weird like it has its weird moments but even still, the uh, the active pickups into the J-High, the J-High just voiced the sound in such a way that it was really pleasing to me. Well, with that amp, I spent a lot of time making sure no matter if you were like a light player, yeah. an average player, or, or even a stabby type player, mm-hmm. um, that it could accommodate. And goal was to ultimately build something that you couldn't find a bad sound. I would just say that I agree that you achieved that. So now you got inspired by this Greed Tone amp. You know, what have you done with that inspiration? What have you, what does that fuel? Is it fueled any songwriting? Is it fueled recording a record or, you know? Yeah, uh, I have. I've recorded a record with Greed Tone as my guitar amp and, and tone generator for guitar. The whole album is covered in Greed Tone. I did this album with you. I came in with a bunch of tracks that had been pre recorded, uh, just dry direct in tracks of guitar basically your demo yeah i came in with a demo and we had the ability to work with the track so there are a couple of cases where we used some of the original tracks that i brought in and reamped them through the j high 100 well reamping is one of my favorite things it's, yeah you know i remember doing a record once where we wanted you know, an SVT bass tone, but we couldn't afford to rent one or borrow one for the whole time. So we just recorded everything direct. When it came time to mix, I rented an SVT for one week That's and good. ran all the bass tones back through it and actually didn't print them. 
I ran them live to the two track. So you actually would oh, really? Hear, yeah, so they went through the bass rig, came back, and dropped to the two track. Which, wow. You know, I think about that now, and I'm like, God, oh, there's probably a certain amount of delay. Yeah, but, that you know, might have been. This was pre Pro Tools. Yeah. That's a cool idea. I mean, a cool thing to try to do just to give it that whatever live feel sort of or something. Yeah, and on the album, we really uh, pushed the limits of the, of the J-High, I would say. There's definitely some tracks where it's blistering. I mean, it's in your face. It's got squeal just built into the tone almost. Well, especially that track you gave me that I reamped. I mean, those, just the harmonic distortion that kind of rolls through that the song. Wah, wah, just, wah, nah, nah, nah. It took what you had, which was cool, and it put this kind of gloss of excitement on, but not like an oral exciter or something weird mm. like that. It was it was real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wasn't doing some weird, like, you know, yeah. octave shifting type thing. Yeah. We've also put violin through it, both on my album and live. You got a violin player in your band, and you also have a horn player, but he plays a lot of different horns, right? Yeah, he plays uh, He plays all the woodwinds, I believe, from clarinet to flute to... No piccolo, though. <laughs> well, that's debatable. You he, can he, ask him about that. I think he gave up the the ringtone. <laughs> the ringtone. Yeah, we're that's, that's what a piccolo is. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about J- Jim Desjois, great horn player. I think we even didn't we reamp some of his horns through stuff. Yeah, we totally did through uh, J High and also through uh, Sansamp. No, we did it through. We did some of it through uh, the PA here at the Kill Room, oh. and then we actually mic'd it with. The Frankenstein Pez mic. Yeah, this was crazy. We had we had already recorded the tracks, and we discovered that we really could use the big room in the kill room. The kill room has a huge room. It's like, what is it, 60 by 30 by... 15 and a half foot high ceiling. 15 and a half foot high, 60 down and 30 wide, and it's just massive. It's a massive room, but it's dead at the same time. There's a concrete floor that's covered in area rugs, and you can uh, sort of shape the sound in the room with how much you use those rugs or don't use those rugs. Well, that's what, okay, thank you for bringing it back, because that's what I was really trying to say. Is And so we lifted up all the rugs, shot the sounds back through the PA in the room, just cranked up, I mean, really nice and juicy in the room. And then on the other side... To the other end of the room, we put this Frankenstein stereo mic. We call it the Frankenstein because it's a giant Frankenstein Pez dispenser that's been modified into uh, the buttons on his neck are... uh, Yeah, I put uh, electric capsules, electric condenser mic capsules as his uh, little posts in his neck. Yeah. (laughs) And it is. It's a one-foot Pez dispenser that I turned into a microphone, and man, it sounded so cool. Well, he's not telling you the best part. There's a gain knob on it, and this thing goes from clean to blown out in a beautifully voiced way, i got to say also. You know, it's got, it's got a nice tone to it. Oh, well, I, I do love my distortion. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, mean, I, I build distortion pedals, so yep. why wouldn't I put a gain knob on a mic? <laughs> I know. It's true. It's true. So, yeah, so we, we reamped these uh, sounds through this PA into the room. The reflection on the floor added this uh, gentle but very present room reverb, literally a natural verb, and then picked it up with this stereo mic, which gave it a nice print. 
Yeah, and those the the neck bolts were definitely they're kind of pointed down a little bit. Yeah, they so they were at definitely the... picking it up off the concrete, which was cool. Yeah, it was cool. <laughs> well, David, it's nice to have you at Tone Talk. Hi, this is David Cinnamon from Sonic Medicine, and you're listening to Tone Talk at the Kill Room Studios. You know, if you don't know what an oral exciter is, it's this device that when you have some audio that doesn't sound so great, you put it through it and it adds all these uh, upper harmonics, your fundamental frequencies and pitches them up and, and creates these harmonics that weren't technically there before. But what it ultimately sounds like is you take something that sounds like real dull like this and then all of a sudden it's bright again. Yep. That's right. So it's a, it's a pretty cool device. I mean, definitely a lot of engineering went into pulling it off. You're listening to Tone Talk. So we've come to the end of Tone Talk number two. Thanks for listening. All Tone Talk music is provided by the Kill Room Studios. Tone Talk is brought to you by Greed Tone, recorded live at the Kill Room Studio. No reproduction of any kind is authorized without written consent from Greed Tone.